dies with us. She was a lover and daughter of kings. She lost her voice and forgot how to sing. A head full of dreams and a heart full of life. All disappeared in the blink of an eye. Breathe in and breathe out. I know it hurts now. Pray through the waiting. Hold on, the pain ends. Hope when it's all gone. Hope when it's all wrong. Nothing is wasted. Hold on, pain ends.
Well, good morning. You got in just in time. There's the rain. It has arrived. So uh, thank you for being here today. It is so good to see you this morning. I just want to say thank you to those of you that may be our special guest today. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us. Uh, It is awesome to have you as part of our uh, uh, worship congregation this morning. I want to encourage you, make sure you pick up a bulletin. If you weren't handed one on the way in, uh, there's some maybe that's still out there in the front for you. But all the announcements that are in here are extremely important. And so uh, it is uh, it's to your advantage to pick one up and read through it. Uh, tomorrow night is the final night of our March Monday Night Revival Series. And we'll have uh, Reverend Quintel Hill. Uh, Brother Quintel is the pastor, planter, and uh, pastor of Multiply Church in Monroe, North Carolina. And uh, he'll be with us at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, so I hope that you'll make your plans to be here. Now, what the other papers that I'm holding in my hand are some of the most important papers inside of this building right now. It is VBS sign-up sheets. Now, some of y'all have been looking the other way every time you walk by. So I need you, I I want you to see them. Now, there are more blanks than there are names on these three pieces of paper. So what that means is we still need some help with Vacation Bible School. And so that's where you come in to play. Um, I don't know if um, you heard uh, Dr. Whitson's message on Monday night, but his message was loud and clear. If, you, if you're still sucking wind, if you're still breathing, you still got a heartbeat, you still got breath in your lungs, God's not done with you yet. So uh, we need your help with Vacation Bible School. And it, it may be that you can't help us the entire week, every single night. I, I get that. We live busy lives. Uh, this is a time of year when baseball's in full swing. I think soccer may be even starting up. There's just, there's just a lot going on this time of year. I, I get that. But if you can help one night, two nights, or, you know, more, then we, we want you to help us. Uh, this, the thing about Vacation Bible School is it is a church-wide event. Uh, we, this is one event we put on not just for the kids we have here, but for our community. And it takes the entire church to make it work. So the sign-up sheets um, and the end of service, I'm going to walk back there. I'm going to put them right back where they've been for the last month. Well, I don't know if it's month, but uh, several weeks anyway. And uh, I want to encourage you to get involved in Vacation Bible School in whatever way, whatever capacity Uh, you are able to get involved. And with all of us working together, we can have not only a first-class vacation Bible school, but we can also do it without overloading and burning out those few that always seem to come to our aid and and take those positions. So we need your help. All right? So I'm going to have those back out front for you. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Brother Quintel will be here. Uh, for those of you that work in our nurseries, uh, whether it's the infant nursery or the toddler nursery, immediately following our service this morning, 
Uh, we need to meet down here in the very front for just a minute or two uh, to go over a couple things uh, that we have for you. So uh, if you will, if you're a nursery worker, uh, if you'll meet us down here at the front for just a moment at the conclusion of this morning's service. All right, we good? Amen. And the rain even slowed down. That's good. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for the honor and privilege that is ours to be in this house of worship. We thank you, Lord, that you have assembled us here, that none of us is here by accident or coincidence, but every one of us have come here out of obedience to your call upon our life this morning. We pray for those of our church and our community that are, are not well, those who are battling diseases, others who are battling illnesses. We pray for them, Lord. We pray for healing. We ask you, God, just to have your hand upon them. And, Lord, we pray that as we go through our time together today, that our sole focus on everything we do, from the songs we sing to the studying of your word to our fellowship in the hallways, that everything will revolve around our praise and worship of Jesus Christ. For Lord Jesus, you and you alone are worthy of our praise. You are our Redeemer. You are the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. You are our risen Savior. And you are, Lord Jesus, our only hope and our only help. So today we come to exalt you, Lord Jesus. We come to proclaim your glory. We come to proclaim that your name and your name alone is the name whereby men must be saved. We love you. We praise you. Guide us in our time together is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm going to invite you to stand and join us as we begin our time of worship together.
kingdom shall reign over all the earth. Sing to the ancients of days. For none can compare to your matchless worth. Sing to the ancients of days. Every tongue in heaven and earth shall declare your glory. Every knee shall bow at your throne in worship. You to invite all of our kids to come join me this morning for our kids sermon. It is that time of the month again. So come on kids, come on down. The price is right. If you laughed, I'm not, never mind. <laughs> he said it, not me. How y'all doing this morning? Good, good, good. Y'all are a good looking bunch this morning. Did your mommy and dads help you pick out your outfits this morning? No, you all dress yourself? Mom and Dad, you're doing a good job teaching these kids how to dress. You did. A puppy one. All righty. So, does anybody know what holiday is coming up very fast? Go. Easter. Easter. What is the Sunday before Easter called? No, that's the day of. The Sunday before. That's the day before. That's the, the close. So think about this. Typically, we wave something around. <laughs> Palm Sunday. There you go. Thank you, Kelton. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Hand up. Oh, my bad. I'm cutting off the connection here, guys. Um, this morning, our kids' sermon is coming from Mark chapter 11, the, telling us the story of Palm Sunday. So that's coming up so, so soon. I think it's next Sunday, isn't it? Next Sunday. Next Sunday. And so it says this in Mark 11, verse 7, They brought the colt to Jesus. They threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. 
Many people spread their clothes on the road, and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who is come, kingdom has come from our father David. Hosanna in the highest of heaven. And then he went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So I have this amazing book. Parents, if you can't read it from where you're sitting, it's called What Every Child Should Know About God. It's an amazing book about telling these stories um, to your kids. Um, so it's written by Kenneth Taylor. Amazing illustrations, amazing short stories, kind of sums up the big stories of the Bible. If you don't have it, I recommend you get it if you have young children. Um, so today in this book, we are talking about what we just read. Um, Jesus, long live the king. Long live the king. Many people wanted Jesus to be their king. And in this picture, they are waving palms and putting their coats along the road in front of the donkey that Jesus is riding on. They did, not, they did, this, da, da, da. They did this to show him how great and good he was. Y'all see that? Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. People wanted to be king. So I want to <laughs> eat the donkey, he says. Um, um, so I want you guys to know that, that Jesus is an amazing person. Amazing. He did so much for us, and he's a really good king. Um, these people didn't know what they were saying when they were, telling, t- they were praising him and telling him how great the king he was going to be. Because um, the, ne- the very next week that he would go through so much for them and die for them. So he's our great king. We get to celebrate that next Sunday. Can I pray with you guys? Awesome. Let's pray. Um, Dear Father God, thank you for this group of kids. Thank you for this church that supports their kids. And thank you for allowing me to um, just share a little bit from your word in new and amazing ways. We just love you. We thank you. It's I pray. Sorry, a little hold up. Uh, how y'all doing this morning? All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, uh, Lord, I'm just, I just thank you for, for everything you've done in our church, for everything you've done in each one of our lives, Lord. I thank you for the active and involved God that you are, that you're not just a God that comes and goes or wears out. God, that you're always there whenever, as much as we need you, and even more so. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, if you would please stand and let's join together as we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive today's message.
Well, I'm going to switch gears on you this morning. So, Miss um, Joellen, you're done for today. Congratulations. Um, I want to ask you to turn to John chapter 12. John chapter number 12. 
Lord began, this is, this is a message, by the way, that I'll, I'll be honest with you, I preached for the first time last Sunday night uh, in revival, and uh, this week have been praying about uh, the message, and, and God began to deal with me yesterday about possibly switching it and changing it over, so today I'm doing just that. So we're going to be in John chapter 12, beginning in verse number 27. John chapter 12, beginning in verse number 27. And while you're finding your way there to that passage, uh, let me remind you that with Easter just being two weeks away from today, uh, I know that sounds odd to say it, doesn't it? But it's two weeks away from today, and our schedule will be that we'll meet outside at 7.30 a.m., weather permitting, uh, out here on the cemetery side of the church. We'll meet there at 7.30 a.m., for our resurrection celebration. And then um, at 7.45 until 8.45, we'll have a continental breakfast provided for you out in the fellowship hall. It'll be a time for you to come and sit down and uh, maybe get a a little nourishment and enjoy some good fellowship. Uh, And then at uh, 8.45... Until 9.45, we will have our connect groups. Uh, So you are invited to be a part of a connect group that will be meeting during that time. And then at 10 a.m., that will be our worship service. Now, this is generally the only Sunday out of the 52 Sundays in a year where we change our worship time. We almost always have our worship time at 11 a.m., but for this Easter Sunday, uh, we worship at 10. Our goal is to, uh, number one, streamline our time, uh, and also, secondly, to get you out in plenty of time, because we know that that being a special holiday, that many of you have plans with family uh, and friends for lunch or for dinner, and uh, so we want to make sure that uh, we're able to worship and celebrate together and still give you time to enjoy the plans that you may have made. John chapter number 12. Today I want to I, I switch gears and, and we'll, we'll jump back on to our um, Real Jesus um, series next week. But I, I want to share a message with you that the Lord began to burn on my heart about a month or so ago. Um, simply entitled, Confronted by Truth. Confronted by Truth. Let's begin reading in verse number 27, and then we'll read down through verse number 43. John chapter 12, beginning in verse number uh, 27. I did say that, didn't I? Yeah. Did I just give you the wrong verses? Yeah. Here it is. Jesus says, Now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying an angel had spoken to him. But Jesus answered and said, This voice has not come for my sake, but for yours. 
Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And, it, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death that he would die. The crowd then answered him, We have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have light. So that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light. So that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and he went away and hid himself from them. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not or would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes, and he has hardened their hearts, so that they would not see with their eyes, and perceive with their heart, and be converted, and I healed them. These things Isaiah said, because he saw his glory, and he spoke of him. Nevertheless, many of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Let's pray. Our Father, I, I must confess, I know not the reason why you have chosen that this is the passage for today. But Lord, in your sovereignty, in your holiness, in your justness, in your omnipotence and omniscience, you have declared that this is our passage for today. So Lord, as we have read your word, and now we begin the study of your word, we pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit guide us. That, Lord, the truth that's been presented in these passages is without a doubt for us today. So give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. Give us a heart of faith to receive it and to ingrain it upon our life that we begin to live it each day. And may what we do in our time together as these last few moments we are gathered, Lord, may it be for your glory. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The question of the hour. What is truth? What is truth? Now that seems like a very simple question with a very simple answer. In fact... In our culture today, though, it has become a debate about what real truth is. What is truth? Now, if you Google the word truth, and I, I'm a Googler, okay, I, I do that. If you Google the word truth, you'll find a definition there in, on, online that fits most of our understanding of what this word means. 
If, if you look at dictionary.com, which is kind of a good go-to, it gives the following definition that truth is the actual state of a matter. If you were to go to the great standby of all time, Merriam-Webster Dictionary online, it's going to give you this definition of truth. That it is a transcendent, fundamental reality. Now, if you'll allow me to paraphrase that, these two definitions, truth is something that is true everywhere at all times for all people. In other, in other words, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what your education level is, how much money you make. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter any other of your background information. Truth is that it is the same for you as it is for every other person on the planet. It transcends us in that it is always true everywhere at all times. However, we're living in a culture right now that says that no, 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 truth is relative. You will hear people say things like, my truth. I am just speaking my truth. Uh, or I, you know, that doesn't line up with my truth. No, wait a minute. Truth is something that is absolute for every person in every place at all times. How can you have something true for you that isn't true for everyone else? How, how can you manipulate and formulate your own truth when it's just for you? The way our world is manipulating truth is they say truth is dependent upon my circumstances, my feelings, my beliefs, and my experience. That's my truth. And the culture around us rejects the fact that something can be true everywhere at all times and for all people. Here's the great dilemma. If truth is relative to every individual, then in reality there is no truth. Does that make sense? If I have my truth and you have your truth and this person has their truth and that person has their truth, then in reality there is no truth. A truth you know, for, in order for something to be truth, it must transcend everything. It must be for all people at all times in all places. In spite of all that Jesus has done, the creator of the universe... Almighty God, Jesus in the flesh, has established for us what is true and what is false. Now, folks, here's where we come down to it. Either this book is truth or it's not. Either we accept it or not. We can't say, well, I like pages 1 through 3,000, but that page 3,001, I don't like it. I like all the other chapters, but that one chapter right there, I don't like... That chapter. It doesn't fit my truth. My truth is different than that. That's where we have to be careful because we're living in a world where even in churches, we're redefining truth according to what we as individuals see as true. 
and not what God's Word says is true. Now, I'll be honest with you. I love this book, and, and I spend a lot of time in this book, but there's some things in this book that I don't like. You know why? It goes against the grain of my selfish thinking. It goes against the grain of my pride. It goes against the grain of what I want. But it doesn't change the fact that this is still truth. So we have to come to that first fundamental belief. You know, it do, are we going to trust that the Word of God is the Word of God and that it is true? Now... Jesus has plainly and publicly said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. In other words, Jesus has proclaimed that he is the personification and the embodiment of all the truth that God has given to us. He is God's truth that is walking and talking and breathing. He is the embodiment and the personification of God's truth, the only real truth that there is. And in spite of all this evidence that Jesus is exactly that, the personification and the embodiment of God's truth, there are still many who try to make up their own truth. The Bible is filled with accounts of men and women being confronted with God's truth and they're having to decide whether they're going, what they're going to do with it. And today, you and I are being confronted with God's truth. And we still, every time we are confronted with this truth, we have to decide what we're going to do with it. Now, Jesus has entered into the city of Jerusalem in preparation of the Feast of Passover. He has been greeted, just as, as, as Zach was sharing with the kids a few moments ago. He has been greeted by a, a, a crowd of people that are waving their palm branches and they're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. I mean, there's a roar going through the city as Jesus rides in. The thing is, the Jews were confident that Jesus had come to be their political Messiah. They had convinced themselves that he was going to lead them to overthrow the Roman occupation. Now, see, here's the thing. That's their truth. But it isn't the truth. God's truth is that Jesus, who is God incarnate, has come to die for the sins of the world and to be raised to life again. In our text, Jesus plainly expresses that. We read it in verses 30 down through verse number 33. So here's what I want to do in these few minutes we have left. I, I want to, us to notice three very important things about this passage. The first one being this. There's a critical choice that has to be made. In verse 34, Jesus, oh, by the way, in, in verse 32, Jesus has just proclaimed that I must be lifted up from the earth and I'm going to draw a man to me. He proclaimed truth, didn't he? Very plainly, I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified, and I must be lifted up. That's his truth. Now listen to what happens. Then the crowd answered him and said, well, we've heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up. Who is the Son of Man? In other words, Jesus, the truth that you're telling us doesn't match 
our truth. Now they had a choice to make. Am I going to accept and receive what Jesus said is truth? Or am I going to stick with my own version of it? And you and I have to do the same thing. As Jesus says, I'm going to be lifted up. They, uh, as they are, as they are listening to this, they go, Oh, time out, time out, time out. Well, can we just stop for a second? The Christ isn't supposed to die. The Messiah is supposed to remain forever. So how can you tell us that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who, then who is the Son of Man? Now let's remember where Jesus has been and what Jesus has done and what these people have seen and what these people have heard. They have heard truth after truth after truth after truth. They have witnessed miracles and healings. They have seen things that could only be explained as that this man is truly who he says he is. God in the flesh, the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Christ who has come to to set us free. They've seen all the evidence that they can see over and over and over again but when the, when the rubber meets the road, when it, when, when it gets tough, suddenly go, they go, time out, time out, time out. But what about our truth? What about our truth? Our truth is that he's come to deliver us from Roman captivity. Our truth is that he's going to set up a, ki- a kingdom right here in, in Jerusalem. And our truth is that the throne of David is going to be restored. And our truth is that the Messiah is going to sit on that throne. So what about our truth? Today, we see that there's a critical choice. Jesus gives them an invitation. Listen to what he says to them. For a little while longer, the light's among you. Walk while you have the light so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. In other words, Jesus said, I want to invite you to lay aside your truth and pick up mine. I'm, I'm, I'm inviting you to put aside what you have formulated in your reasoning, in your rationale, as being your truth. I'm asking you to set it aside and accept the truth that I've given you. Receive the light so that you may become a child of light. He gives an invitation. They had a choice at this point. They can choose or they can reject. They can choose the light that Jesus is giving to them, the truth that he's giving to them, or they can embrace their own truth, they can embrace their own lie, and they can continue to walk in darkness. They had a choice to make. Truth had confronted them. And you and I must make that same choice. You can choose whether you walk in the truth of God's word and you walk in the truth of who Jesus is and you accept him for who he is and what he says he has done and what we know that he has accomplished for us. We can either accept that or we can reject that. There is no middle ground. You can't have a half truth. A half, That's an oxymoron. Like jumbo shrimp. You can't have a half truth. It's either truth or a lie. A a little bit of truth is still a lie. 
And the problem we've run into in, in, even in religious culture and in churches today is we are settling for a little bit of truth because it makes us feel good. It makes us feel spiritual. And it makes us feel like we're good people. But then if we peel back the cover and the layers and we start looking at our individual lives, you know what we start finding? We don't really believe what we say we believe. We're not, we're not living out the truth that our lips proclaim we believe. We're saying one thing, but living a different thing. Now, I get it. They're, all of us are hypocritical. I am a hypocrite. Hi, my name is Tommy. I am a hypocrite. I know I need to lose weight. I know I need to keep my sugar under, under control, but I love my ice cream. I'm a hypocrite. But see, there's something beyond being hypocritical here. There's a deception that has taken place. I think this is the very reason why Billy Graham once said he believed it with all of his heart that based on all that he has seen and all that he had heard and all that he had witnessed in his ministry that 80% of the people who attended church on any given Sunday were still lost. Because they got that much truth and that much truth is a lie. So we're confronted by truth. We got, we got a critical choice to make. You can choose to walk in the truth of God's word and in the truth of God's person through Jesus Christ. Or you can reject it. But here's what you need to understand. Your eternity hangs in the balance. Your eternity hangs in the balance. There's a second thing in this passage of scripture. Not just a critical choice. But then there's this perilous pronouncement. Don't, don't miss verse 37 through 41. In my opinion, and I, and, and I get it, it's just an opinion. But I believe that these are some of the scariest, most frightening verses in the Bible. Listen to what happens verse 37. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they would not believe in him. And this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, the prophet, which he spoke. Lord, who's believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And for this reason, they could not believe for Isaiah said again, he's blinded their eyes and he's hardened their hearts so that they would not see in their eyes uh, with their eyes and perceive it with their heart and be converted. And I heal them. These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory. And he spoke of him. Here, here's what I want us to understand. Is that Isaiah 40. Excuse me. Verse 40. Isaiah 6. Verses 9 and 10. That's being quoted here by Jesus. Or by John. Excuse me. That these verses are so significant. That they are quoted six times in the New Testament. Six different places, six different times, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 are quoted. That's how significant, how much weight, how much bearing they have on all of us. Many who heard Jesus that day rejected the truth of who he was and what he had come to accomplish. 
Jesus had revealed God's truth. He had revealed it in miracles. He had revealed it in his teaching. He had revealed it in his life. But the Bible says in verse number 37, yet though he did all of those things, they would not believe. They would not believe. He had raised the dead, opened blinded eyes, opened deaf ears, loosed the muted tongue. He had made lame men to walk. He had fed 5,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish. He had walked on water. He had done every, all these mighty things. And on top of that, if that's not enough, he had sat and taught over and over and over with authority, the Bible says, the truth of God's Word. So much so that everyone who heard him said, we've not heard anyone speak like this before. What an authority he has. They had heard. But yet with every time that they had been confronted with truth, they had rejected the truth. So here's what happened. Their heart grew harder with every rejection. Every time they pushed God's truth aside and embraced their own, their heart got, their heart got harder. Every time they pushed God's truth aside and embraced their own truth, their eyes became more and more dim. Well, they couldn't see truth as clearly. Until finally their heart was so hard and their eyes so blind, they could no longer see or hear the truth. Don't miss what the Bible says in verse number 39. In verse 40, excuse me, in verse 37, they would not believe. Verse 39, they could not believe. They said no to the truth one too many times. Every time they said, maybe next week. Every time they said, well, you know, I, I, I don't have time to deal with this. Every time that they stuttered when convinced with the truth and, and confronted with the truth, every time that they took that one step back and said, well, maybe another day, maybe another time, maybe another place. Uh, I, I've got things to do right now. I'm, I'm a busy person. I don't have time to, to deal with this. I, I've got a lot going on in my life. You understand that, don't you? And, and I, I just don't have time to deal with this thing right now. And every time they pushed the truth aside, their heart got harder and their eyes got more dim until finally one day arrived when Jesus is standing in front of them and says to them, I must be lifted up. And they said no so many times that they could no longer believe. That's sad, isn't it? That's heartbreaking. They rejected his, their unbelief caused them to reject his miracles, to reject his teaching. It hardened their hearts, it blinded their eyes, and they could not believe. For three years, Jesus had openly displayed his divinity and openly proclaimed that he was the Messiah. And time and time again, people were confronted with the truth, and so many each time rejected it. I pray I'm wrong. 
I pray I'm wrong. But I believe there are a lot of people who sit in church every week who are hardened and blinded to the truth. In fact, I believe that's why you may see on any given Sunday a large crowd. And then the next Sunday, a small crowd. I think that's why you see churches bouncing in their numbers all over the place. It's because there are those who slip in every once in a while and get their little dab of truth and makes them feel good about themselves. And that, that, that'll hold me for another month. Do you know that now, when researchers are researching church attendance, do you know what, what, what standard they use for an active church member? One Sunday per month. That's what they use. Because what they found is they, if they had to use more than that, it'd make the church look so bad that nobody would want, ever want to be a part of it. You, you see, we've heard and we've heard and we've heard and we've heard. We've sang the Christmas carols. We've sang the Easter songs. We've watched Christmas plays and we've heard Easter cantatas and we've, we've had Sunday school classes and we've, we've had connect groups and we've had Bible studies and we've had sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. And if we're not careful, every time we're being confronted with truth and we're pushing it aside because we like the truth that we have for ourselves, our heart gets a little harder. Eyes get a little blinder until one day, Truth has no place in our life because we can no longer see it and we can no longer feel its conviction. There'll be people who will be religiously lost because they repeatedly rejected the truth of the gospel. One more thing, and I got to get out of here. Listen fast, okay? There's a critical choice, there's a perilous pronouncement, there's just, but then we close with this really sad silence. Verse 42 says, Nevertheless, many of the rulers believed in him. If we put a dot right there, if we put a period right there, we would step back and go, Good job, guys, you heard the truth and you did something with it. But we don't. We put a comma there and then we follow it by, But because... Of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. The good news is that there were some who came to faith in Jesus as the Messiah as a result of his invitation to truth. There were some who heard, the truth confronted them, and they chose of their own free will to receive that truth, and they were miraculously transformed and birthed into the kingdom of God that day. That's the good news. Yet in fear, they kept their faith silent. They were afraid of something. They were afraid of those who had a little more authority. They were afraid of those who had a little more influence. They were afraid of those who had a little more power and pull. 
And so they decided, you know, they, they adopted what I will call our modern-day religious stance. You ready for it? Here it is. My spiritual conditions between me and God. It's none of your business. Mom and Dad, if your child comes marching into you and says to you, my physical well-being is my business, you have no part in it. Or what if your right arm just decided, you know what? What I do is no business of the rest of the body. I will do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, however I want to do it. And it's between me and the head and the rest of the body. It's none of your business. That don't make sense, does it? In fact, we would call that person handicapped. But yet, this is what was happening. I believe this describes so many believers today that they truly are saved by grace. They truly have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. They truly have been set apart as a member of God's family. Yet, they're silent about their faith because they're afraid of what expressing the truth of God's word and their faith is going to cost them. We don't want to be shunned by the cool kids. We don't want to be left out of the group. We don't want to miss out. So we just stay silent. And we stand silently by while those that we say that we care about slowly slide toward an eternity separated from God. I I showed you the Vacation Bible School sign-up sheets this morning. We say we believe that children need to be taught the truth of God's word. We say that we believe that if we can reach them as children with the truth of God's word, that we have a grand opportunity with those soft hearts to see God do something amazing in their lives. We say that we believe the next generation is a key. We say... But if we hit pause for a second and then we start looking at every one of our calendars and every one of our checkbooks and every one of our personal priorities, how many of them line up with what we say? I'm not trying to guilt you into vacation Bible school. but I'm I'm just here to tell you. The reason you sit in a half-empty church is because we say, but we don't do. We say that's truth. We say we accept it. We say amen. We say that's right. We say I believe that's what God wants, but we don't do it. We're silent. Just like it is in here right now. Like I told you, there's some things in God's Word I don't like because it cuts across the grain of my life. But today, you and I have been presented with truth. Truth that Jesus is and always will be the only hope for salvation. 
and the only way you'll ever have peace with God. That's truth. Now, you and I are forever accountable for this truth. Today, somebody may be in danger of saying no for the last time, one time too many. Today, here somebody has embraced truth and surrendered to Jesus, but you're keeping it silent and you're keeping it to yourself. In just a few moments, we're going to have a time of invitation together. This is when we decide what we do with truth. That's all an invitation is. It is a period of time where we stop and decide what we're going to do with the truth that we just heard. That's that's all an invitation is. It's a decision time. And every one of us in this room, including myself, we're going to make a decision in these next few minutes about this truth. The question will be, what decision will you make? Now listen, you make that decision not for the person sitting beside of you, not for the person in front of you or behind you, not for those watching online, not because you want to please somebody or want somebody to think that something of you that may not be true. You, you, you choose to receive that truth because you know it is truth. Let's pray. Father, you know my heart, Lord. I I didn't want to preach this message last Sunday night, and I sure didn't want to preach it this morning. In the stillness of this moment, Lord, we're examining our lives. You've already examined us. You know what we're, we have already done with the truth. And today you're, in, you're inviting us to do one of two things. Either to receive it if we've rejected it before. Or to voice it if we've been silent before. So Lord, I pray in these next few moments, you give us the courage to do what we need to do. That Lord, whether we come and bow on an altar or whether we pray right where we're, where, where we're standing or sitting. That, Lord, for that moment, that moment of truth, give us the courage and the faith to embrace your word. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us truth. We pray this in that precious name of Jesus, the Savior of the world, the light of the world, the Redeemer of the world. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. Yes, Lord.
Thank you so much. I'm going to ask you to be seated for just one second. Mr. Sloop, where are you? Well, he said he wanted to do the thing today at the end of service. So, You mean this isn't the second? <laughs> we didn't wave palm branches. Well, guess what? I'm going, to let, I'm going to dismiss us from prayer while you stay seated. How's that? That way I don't make you jump back up immediately. Uh, but I apologize for that. I was thinking that was today, and that, that shows you my, my lack of preparation. I apologize. Well, let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Reverend Quintel Hill, uh, be with us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for allowing us to be here, and thank you for the many blessings of this day. Uh, Lord, I just pray that today we've, we've done with truth what you desire for us to do, and that is embrace it. Uh, that we have engrafted it into our heart and into our life, that, Lord, it's, it changes us. It, it begins to mold us and shape us into the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, it, Lord, it brings us to that place of peace and harmony because we're walking in your will when we walk in the truth. So, Lord, I pray that we've done that today. I ask you to dismiss us now with your love. I uh, just pray, Lord, that uh, you'll give us a good afternoon and, and all that, uh, the activities that are planned. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.